Well, anyways, all lot to say, happy Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for, and that video is a great bridge into our message today as we are thankful for the fact of what was on that video, but God. In a world that sometimes gets, you know, confusing and dark, we can say, but God. And there are a couple of but gods that I am particularly thankful for. But God, our God is for us. I love the words of the Apostle Paul that say, if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm thankful that God is for us. But God, our God is able. I'm also thankful that he is able. The Apostle Paul wrote these amazing words of worship and thanksgiving now to him who is able to do more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work in us. But God, I am thankful for the fact that our God is for us and that our God is able. All right, today we continue in the fight message series where we're going to today talk about what it means to fight for ourselves, the fight for personal change, the, the fight for personal transformation, really the fight for the change that we find so hard. But friends, we enter into this fight knowing that our God is for us and that our God is able. Again, but God. Now with a little help from Google, one of my great research assistants, and I'm sure you and a few others, I encountered two terms this thing that I think will help introduce the message. The first term is unavoidable defects, and the other term is zero defect mentality. Anyways, I found this article from Global News about the amount of unavoidable defects, the amount of rodent hairs and bugs that the Canadian Food Inspection Agency allows into our Canadian food into your Thanksgiving dinner, okay? And as I, I looked as well at the American Food and Drug Agency, what they allow into American food. So as you get ready for Thanksgiving dinner here, uh, a few things I learned this week. If you're going to have any holiday chocolate this weekend, the CFIA says that chocolate can't contain any more than one one-hundredth gram of rodent hair. That's good to know, just a little rodent hair, that's all. In cheese, the uh, CFIA states that there can be uh, uh, not more than five dead mites per 2.5 centimeters to a depth of 0.6 centimeters. That's good. I mean, the really good news there is that live mites are not tolerated, okay? Just thought you should know. Rice, which is a staple in our home, can't have more than 25 insect fragments, uh, insect fragments for 100 grams, just a little protein with those carbs. I'm just not sure what that means for those of you who are vegan, just saying. But anyways, and the limit on unavoidable defects in food is not all organic. Cocoa powder can't have more than five magnetic particles that are less than two millimeters in every 100 grams of powder. Interesting. Okay, let, let's move over to the American FDA because that gets really fun. You like pizza? The FDA allows 30 fly eggs per 100 grams of pizza sauce. Let's look at chocolate again. The FDA uh, allows up to 60 insect parts per 100 grams. More protein. You like pasta. I, I love pasta. Not anymore. In my younger days, they called me Pasta Doug. No more. Now you'll know why. Maybe only a few of you will get that. It's really bad, but I know. Anyways, hey, I, I'm not sure what the qu quantity is on this, but the FDA say that when they examine six samples of pasta, they allow for up to 225 insect fragments. Yummy. So again, extra protein. You're getting protein with your pasta. I could keep going, but one last thing, in every kilogram of wheat, the FDA allows nine milligrams of rat poop. So, 
They, they call this unavoidable defects. In fact, the FDA has a booklet that you can download called the Food Defect Action Level Booklet. Go get it, it's awesome. But, so that's unavoidable defects in your food, so enjoy your Thanksgiving dinner with all of those unavoidable defects. Now, <clears throat> many of you know I like to read a lot of leadership stuff, and a new term that I've become aware of is zero defect mentality. This is kind of the opposite of unavoidable defects. Some businesses say that they're striving for zero defects in the, pro in the products that they manufacture. But is that possible? I heard of a software programming who said there is no way you can have zero defects in software programming. And I'm going, yeah, no kidding, right? Software engineers are continually updating our software, getting rid of bugs and defects. Any of you who are living in the Apple world right now, just a ton of upgrades for your phone and your, and your laptops right now. How's that going? I don't know. So, a, a zero defect mentality is an atmosphere that tolerates absolutely no mistakes. Perfection is required to the smallest detail. But in the leadership literature that I've seen, including stuff from the military, the fastest way to kill motivation is to have a zero defect mentality. In the military, a zero defect mentality is considered a serious leadership failure because it kills the initiative necessary for success on any battlefield. And that just makes a lot of sense to me. And it got me thinking about some churches that I've been a part of that, truth be told, they, 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 they almost preach the need for a zero defect life, you know. In these churches, the Christian life is all about eliminating the defects, the sin. And these churches tend to crush you in the process. They leave you wallowing in condemnation. You, you never measure up and you know it and they make sure you know it. And I hope none of you have experienced that kind of church. Fort City is not that kind of church. Friends. If you try to live a zero-defect life, you'll become paralyzed. You, you'll live continually afraid of making mistakes. You, you won't do the things that you need to try to do. You won't take any risks. You'll live with this unrealistic pressure and unresolved guilt. Because everyone has defects. Friends, we're all full of unavoidable defects. I'm telling you, you have a few bugs and rodent hairs in you. You do. And that's why here at Fort City we use this little mantra, you've heard it often. Everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, anything can happen. Nobody's perfect. Hey, nothing is perfect on this planet. The weather is broken, the economy is broken, every relationship is broken, everybody is broken. If you try to live with a zero defect mentality, you're going to be frustrated your entire life. Nobody's perfect. King Solomon, the third king of Old Testament Israel, nailed it when he said, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Because, friends, there are no, no defect people. They don't exist. You and me both were full of defects, full of rodent hairs and bugs, seriously. James, the, the brother of Jesus, says it like this, and I'm using the message paraphrase. None of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. What a great passage to remember as you listen to all those politicians campaigning for election right now, eh? If you could find someone whose speech is always true, it would be awesome, wouldn't it? But we're, hungry, but we're human. We're, we're, we're broken. We're, we're full of defects. That's you, me, and the leaders of each of the political parties. But hey, do get out and vote. Get your opinion registered. Let's make democracy happen. 
In the Christian scriptures, what we call the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wants us to understand that we all have parts in our lives, parts of our personalities, parts of our relationships that simply don't work. He says we're all defective. Paul writes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's you, me, the Pope, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa. None of us measure up to a standard of perfection. None of us bat a thousand. You know that. I'm just stating the obvious. Not one of us will ever live perfect lives this side of eternity. Not one of us will live sin-free on this planet. And this has huge implications for how we do community together. It has huge implications about what a church should look like. But there is good news here. I mean great news. You may not ever reach a perfect sinless life this side of eternity, but you can sin less. You can become a better version of who you are. You will never be perfect, but you sure can get better. That's why we say everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything can happen. And we want to talk a bit about how anything can happen today. And I'm not saying that it's all going to be easy. Change, transformation, overcoming the junk in our lives is not easy. There are tough, hard changes that we need to make in our lives, and yeah, it can be rough. The truth is you've had your defects for so long, you've just kind of become comfortable with them, right? Your, Your defects, they've become an entrenched part of who you are. We start to identify who we are with our defects, with our sins. That, that's just who I am. I drink too much. That's who I am. I talk too much. That's just who I am. I, I get angry easily. That's just who I am, and on and on. Another reason why we find it difficult to change is because our defects have a little bit of payoff, and, you know, uh, we, we kind of enjoy our defects, at least for a while. You know, any time a negative behavior is repeated, it's simply because there is some payoff, some pleasure, even if it's short-lived. Maybe an example here will help. Kids set their moms up to yell. They do. I see it all the time. A A mom says, hey kids, come down to dinner. Nobody comes to dinner. Kids, come to dinner. Nobody comes to dinner. You get down here right now. And the kids come down. They train mom to yell. Mom gets payoff by yelling, right? Mom learns when she yells, she gets action. Something else that makes uh, changing those hard ingrained defects in our lives so difficult is because of the evil one, Satan. He discourages us. Yes, there is an evil one who is alive and well and at work in our world and in your life. One of the voices that we listen to sometimes is our own voice, yes, and certainly God speaks to us if we will learn how to hear him, but as well. Satan has an ability to speak or even to take our negative thoughts and just amplify them a little bit. We'll talk more about that next week. But it is Satan who often whispers to us, like, who do you think you are? You're you're never going to change. You haven't been able to change in the past. I mean, it's hopeless. It's not going to work. Just give up. So these kinds of things just make change so very difficult. You know, these ingrained defects that you've just gotten used to, that you get a little bit of pleasure from, and then those dark, discouraging words. But friends, there is hope. Change can happen. You can change for the better. If you fight for it, you can change. And I want to take a look at some words the Apostle Paul wrote that give us a few truths on how this change can happen. And I do want to give some credit to Rick Warren, who I heard talk about this passage and how it helps us to understand change. You can follow along in your Bible, whether that's a paper Bible or on your phone, but most of you will probably follow along on the screen. 
Um, let me read what Paul said to the church in Ephesus that, you know, that has so much to say about how we can break free from habits that damage us, how we can make the hard changes we need to make and live transformed lives. Paul says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which, corrupt, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So let me suggest several things that Paul would want us to know and do that is part of the process that, that sees us change. I mean, so many of us are frustrated here this morning. We, we find ourselves doing the very things we said that we wouldn't do. There is a way out. There is a way to stop the cycle. And in this passage from Paul, we have the tools we need to be transformed. Or because we're in a fight series, really, I'll say these are the weapons we need to take up for the fight. So let's just jump in there. And I want to give you three weapons that you need to fight for these hard changes. The first weapon is truth. Change requires learning and embracing truth. What is truth? Well, first of all, it's a person. It's Jesus. It's God. God is truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Not I have the truth. Not I point the way to the truth. Not I teach the truth. Jesus said, I'm it. I'm the truth. This means, first of all, we all have to embrace Jesus. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus where we walk and talk with Jesus throughout our day, where we look to him to lead us through the hard change we need to make. And I know it's a bit weird to say that truth is a person, but this is critical to understand. If you want to break free from the stuff, the bondages, the sin that robs you of life that you really want to live, you've you got to understand what it means that Jesus is the truth. And part of what this means is that the words of Jesus are truth. And one of the ways, best ways to discover the truth is by listening to Jesus, by reading the words of Jesus, by reading the Bible that is full of God's truth for us. In this passage from Ephesians that we're focusing in on today, Paul says this, Since you have heard about Jesus, by the way, who is truth, and have learned the truth that comes from him, you see, Jesus has the truth we need that will change our lives now and forever. Jesus has the truth we need to make hard changes. This is so important to understand. If you want to change, you need to know Jesus personally, you need him living within you, and you need to hear and follow his words, the truth. Now I get it. There are many things we use to help us change for the better. Pills, programs, psychology, self-help books. They have their place. They can be helpful. But true change, lasting change, will not take root in your life without embracing the truth that is found in Jesus. Take a look at these words of Jesus. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, but if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do you see it there? Jesus himself and the words he speaks are truth. He speaks truth that sets us free from what holds us back. He, he speaks truth that sets us free to experience life the way it's meant to be lived, life to the full, now and forever. You know... Rather than thinking of the Bible, especially the Christian scriptures, the New Testament, as a lot of rules, just see it as truth that sets you free. The Bible is truth that sets you free. 
You, you come to know and follow Jesus who is crazy in love with you. You invite him into your life. You, you look at what he says, the truth he teaches, and, and that truth will bring life to you. That truth will set you free. The New Testament is not a bunch of rules that condemn you. Rather, there is truth here that sets you free. This view of the Bible is so, so powerful. The Bible is full of truth that sets you free. The Old Testament and Old Testament Israel in particular is all about rules that we could never fully measure up to. So Jesus came to do for us what all those rules the law could never do for us. That's what communion we'll be celebrating in a few minutes is all about. Jesus came to set us free from condemnation that comes from not being able to measure up to all those rules. He came to set us free from the sin and the bondages that mess us up. He came to fulfill the law for us. When you know Jesus personally, when you've made the decision to follow him, when you've invited him into your life, you have asked for his forgiveness, forgiveness for the sin and the mess that's creating havoc in your life and in the lives of your loved ones. Jesus forgives your sin and leads you into a life that is free and full of purpose, life to the full. What what you might see as burdensome rules in the New Testament, because Jesus lives in you and is leading you, they are not so much rules that condemn as truth that sets you free. Okay, one of the truths that Jesus and the New Testament apostles like Paul and Peter talk a lot about is that you and me, we're broken human beings who, quite frankly, we easily end up in bondage to stuff we don't want to do, but we do anyways. The truth about you and me, we're broken. All of us. The path to personal change starts with truth. You've got to know and face the truth. You've got to know and face the truth about yourself before you can change. You have to embrace the truth of your brokenness before you can change. You've got to know and face the truth about your relationships before you can change. You've got to know and embrace the truth about your past before you can change. You've got to know and face the truth about habits and hurts and hang-ups before you can change. And you have to know and face the truth about God before you can change. And this is real positive. You've got to know and face the truth about your potential, your talents, and God's purpose for your life before you can change. So why is this so important? Because behind every self-defeating behavior in your life is a lie that you're believing. If you're deeply in debt, it's because you believe some lies that debt would lead to freedom. No, it just leads to bondage. Man, I want to say something about the election right now, but I'll be a good boy and not go there. Every time, though, you get yourself into a problem, it's because you believed a lie right? Hey, we lie to ourselves all the time. The biggest liar in your life is you, okay? Just thought I'd let you know. Because you you tell yourself there's no problem when there really is. I mean, think about it. What's in your life right now that you're pretending isn't a problem? Where are you lying to yourself? I mean, take a moment to try to think about that. Right now, think about where do you lie to yourself? Where do you say, oh, that really isn't a problem? When deep down you know it is. The only way to bust through the lies is to know the truth and to know the truth that Jesus spoke, to know the truth that God spoke through the writers of the Bible. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 
Hear me. It's really important. I might be repeating myself, but you've got to understand this or you're going to fail at this. Friends, you read the Bible, especially the New Testament, not as rules you'll never be able to cape, but as truth that invites you to experience freedom, uh, life to the full. Okay. Weapon number two is choice. When you're confronted with the truth, the truth of Jesus, when you see where your life does not line up with the truth, change requires that you make a choice to align your life with the truth. You're not going to change until you choose to change. You know, I run into a lot of people who think about changing. They plan on changing. They want to change. Someday I'll change. When I get around to it, I'll change. But they never choose to change. You have to make the choice. Sometimes we think we're waiting on God to change us. No, no. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. And it will only happen when you get intentional about it, when you choose to embrace change. This is what Paul means when he says uh, in, in the passage that we've been focusing on, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. That's a decision, a choice, which is corrupted by lust and deception. You're confronted with the life-giving truth. You, you not only agree with that truth, but you make a decision to embrace the truth. It's your choice. But here's the really good news. I, I mean, this is great news for those of us who follow Jesus. Great news for those of us who embrace Jesus as a truth. For people who invited Jesus into our lives to live with us, right? The great news is, our God empowers us to change. He empowers us through the Holy Spirit to live in love like Jesus, to, to live lives set free from sin, bondage, junk, and mess. He empowers us to make the hard changes we need to make. It's awesome. He gives us the power to change. By the way, this is where the biblical repent, word repent fits in. I, I know some of you think the word repent is just some awful word of condemnation. You, you picture some ultra-fundamentalist on some street corner with a placard saying repent or burn and all you feel is condemnation or you just cringe at how harsh this guy is. No. Repent is an awesome word. It, it just means change your thinking, change your direction. It means when I encounter the truth, I, I, I see where my life doesn't align with the truth, I repent. I align my life with the truth and it sets me free. Repentance is all about letting the truth set you free. Such an awesome word. So this is our third weapon for change, the Holy Spirit. Change requires the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to the words of the Apostle Paul that we've been looking at. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We make a choice. We make a firm, decisive decision to change. We repent. Part of choosing to change is we do all that we can to align our lives with God's truth. And as we do all that we can do, maybe even before we get started, God meets us with his power, his Holy Spirit. This is where the Christian faith moves beyond self-help. Ultimately, the transformation you are looking for does not come through your own power, but from the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the truth living in us who sets us free. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. But you start by working out your salvation. There is something you have to do. 
You have to make a decision to change. You have to align your life with God's truth. You have to take a step and say, I have decided to follow Jesus, and I have decided to change this or that about my life. And it's not just talk. I'm going to take whatever action that I need to take to get started and then to keep going. I'm going to do all that I can to keep going. And when you make the decision to change, when you take the steps to change as a Christian, at the same time, you look up to God. You ask God, you seek God to give you the power to change, for it is God who works in you to see that change happen. Friends, we have the Holy Spirit to empower change. Let's get deeply connected to Jesus and let His Spirit flow powerfully in our lives. Ask. Ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you and to empower you so that you can change and become a better version of yourself so that you become who God designed you to be. So there you have it. The three weapons. And use them, you'll change. And one, we just embrace truth. We embrace Jesus as the truth. We, we embrace the words that he speaks as truth. We embrace the words of truth found in the Bible because this truth will set us free. Two, change just requires making choices. We have to choose to align our lives with God's life-giving truth. We have to do all that we can to see that change happen in our lives. We, we, we have to choose to do something about the hard change we need to make. But the good news is, it's not all about human willpower. The answer to changing your life is not willpower alone. It's, it starts with your willpower. It starts with your decision, your choice to change. But ultimately, it is God giving you the will and the power. I mean, even before you choose to change, God is at work in your life. You see, our ultimate tool, our ultimate resource for our change is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who gives you the will and the power. So three things. Truth making a decision, and the Holy Spirit. Grab a hold of these three powerful weapons and you will change. Maybe not overnight, but over time, it will happen. No, you won't become perfect this side of eternity. There will always be a few unavoidable defects. A few rodent hairs will still be around, but you can change because, by God, it will happen. So why do I believe this so strongly? Why do I believe that if you embrace the truth with the power of the Holy Spirit, you will change? Because of what you see set before you up here at the communion stations. When Jesus died, his death was so powerful, so powerful that he broke the power of sin on earth and in your life. He, he purchased your wholeness. He, he purchased the life you so want to live. You, you won't fully experience all of this on this side of eternity, but you can experience more and more and more of this. We can grow. We, we can change every day because of what Jesus did on the cross. The Apostle Peter, and he includes a quote from the prophet Isaiah, says, He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus, on the cross, purchased your wholeness, your healing, the ability to make those hard changes. You do not have to be enslaved to anything. You can live well. You can live right. You can love like Jesus. All because of the power of Jesus and what he did on the cross. Friends, that's our faith. That's good news. That's gospel. Okay. I grew up in churches that sang hymns and 
Maybe some of you are young, so you don't know what a hymn is, so just ask an older person around you, okay? But I love today's worship. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love what our team does here. I think the night of worship that's coming is going to be awesome, but I also love some of the old hymns that are so rich and full of truth. Charles Wesley in 1739 wrote a hymn called Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great redeemer's praise. Oh, yeah, preach it, Charles. There is a lot of preaching in those old hymns. Well, in this hymn, Wesley writes, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. That's truth. That's deep truth. Friends, when you come forward for communion and dip bread that pictures the body of Jesus nailed to the cross and dip it into juice that pictures the blood of Jesus shed for you and me and, and then partake, that's where the power comes from to set you free. On this Thanksgiving Sunday, I want to invite all of you to come forward who say, I believe in Jesus, and just come forward and pray prayers of thanksgiving. You can also post your written prayers of thanksgiving on the boards here, but you come forward, and as you come forward, you come with an attitude that gives thanks because of the cross, that Jesus has broken the power of sin and the bondage and the mess in your life, and that he makes you clean, he sets you free. That's what this table is all about. You can make the hard changes because your wholeness has already been purchased on the cross. The hard change you want, Jesus died to make that possible. To quote another old hymn, Hallelujah, what a Savior. As you come, come and give thanks. Come and ask for the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit to empower you to change. And you don't have to rush this, okay? You can come up and you can linger up front, partake of the elements up front if you want, or you can take the elements with you to your seat and partake there, whatever works well for you. And, and just so you know, the bread in the middle is gluten-free. And hey, we'll have a, a prayer team up here because it would be good for you to have a few other believers pray with you that the power of Jesus because of the cross would be at work in your life. I mean, whatever you sense a need for in, in prayer, uh, why not go to our prayer team? Communion is all about the fact that God's already purchased your wholeness. Allow them to pray for that wholeness to come into your life or into a friend's life or a family member's life. In a moment, we'll pray. And our worship team will lead us in worship. And we'll come forward, we'll dip bread uh, in juice, and we'll partake and we'll give thanks to Jesus who breaks the power of sin in our lives and sets us free. Um, I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and, and, and when I pray, I want you to take the words that I'm praying and kind of pray them as your own words. You can remake the words up, whatever works for you, but kind of make this your own personal prayer this morning as we ask Jesus to empower us to change. So let's pray. Jesus, I just come to you this morning with, uh, with, with thanksgiving that because of the cross, you have made change in my life possible. Just, just give thanks to Jesus that he makes change possible. Jesus, I embrace the truth about my weakness, and I embrace the truth about your power. And I invite you to come into my life to forgive and cleanse me of my sin. Just ask him to do that. And I ask that your Holy Spirit will fill and empower me to change. God, I so struggle with this one issue. Just, just think of whatever issue that you're particularly struggling with and give that to Jesus right now. God, I, I, I really struggle with this issue and I, I lay this issue before you with your help. With your help. I, I, I want to change. I've decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to align 
this part of my life with your truth. God, I need your truth to set me free. I, I need your spirit to empower me. And I will take the steps that allow you to do all that. Come, Holy Spirit, come and work powerfully in my life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.